This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. All right, again, well, once again, good morning. How are you guys doing so far? Good today? Hey, we are in this series, and it really it is an intentional series that's leading us to uh, the Super Bowl of Sundays, really Easter time here. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the series is based on a book who was written by the guy who I consider to be my pastor and my friend. His name is Chris Hodges. Uh, he pastors a church in Alabama called Church of the Highlands, where they see about 45,000 people every single weekend. I mean, it's unbelievable through about 17 different campuses in the state, and they're just doing some amazing things for, for the kingdom. And the reason why we have a relationship in the first place is because he's one of the founders of The Ark, which many of you know is our church planting organization. It's called the Association of Related Churches. And so far, they've planted about 750 plus life-giving churches all across the U.S., all around the world. In fact, just this week, my wife and I were down in Bradenton, Florida, helping to coach three new church planners that are coming up. And we get to be a part of that. And so you guys should know that it's, we're, we're a small part of something that is a large movement that's really kind of shaping uh, you know, a lot in, in, in the states as far as church planning goes. But there are two reasons that I really had it on my heart to share with you this series called Four Cups. One is, is that this is a journey that God wants to take every single person in this room on. And not just you, by the way, but your family members, your coworkers, your, the, the, your friends, people you have relationships. This is a journey. And this, this book by, by Chris Hodges, we had some available. I think we're gonna order some more so you guys can get those uh, at, at the hub. But this journey is clearly defined in this book through these four promises that God has for us. So that's one of the reasons. The second reason is that it's the same journey God has this church on as well. In fact, like I said, in just a couple of weeks, man, it's the Super Bowl uh, of Sunday's Easter. I mean, that's why we do what we do because the tomb was, was borrowed. You know, it's not, Jesus is no longer there. I've been there. He ain't there, all right? He's, he's risen. And so we get to celebrate that, what God can do in our lives. And I'm just believing that in a couple of weeks, hundreds of people for the first time are gonna walk through these doors. Hundreds of people are gonna make a decision to follow Jesus, to trust him, to trust his life, his death, and his resurrection on the cross for the penalty and the payment of their sin. Come on, I'm excited about that. Are you guys excited about Easter? It's gonna be amazing. I can't wait for Easter. And Good Friday, by the way, is gonna be awesome too. That's gonna be a separate thing. Uh, last year it was kind of the same experience, but it's gonna be separate. It's gonna be kind of more chill, more low key. We're gonna do communion. Uh, you're, if you're gonna wanna be a part of that, you're gonna wanna get here early because that's gonna fill up fast. But really, this is the journey that God wants us all to go on. 
And this is a reminder as we head into this season of why it is we do what we do. Why it is that we are even here as a church. And so we're gonna look at these four core promises of God. There are many promises that God gives us, but these really are the big four. And Pastor Chris kicked off this series talking about how, hey, if God's made you some promises, why wouldn't you run after them? Like, why wouldn't you chase after them? Why wouldn't you, with all your heart, go after the things that God can, says are possible in our lives? So these four things that we're going to cover are all found in the Jewish feast called the Passover. And what they would do is, uh, God said, as this, this happens to do with the, the story of Moses, as the children were, were brought out, God's children were brought out of, out of Egypt, out of captivity. He said, I want you to remember this day that I saved you. Remember the day I rescued you with a feast called Passover, and at Passover, you're gonna take these four cups of wine, and with each cup of wine, you're gonna have these I will statements that you remember what God wants to do in your life. Four cups of wine. That sounds like a lot when you think about it. Some of you had more than that St. Patrick's Day last night. That's, we'll talk about that later. But with each cup of wine, I want you to remember these I will statements, one of these Statements And these, these statements are given to us in Exodus chapter 6. And just so you know, these promises that God gave us 3,500 years ago are still for you today. God's heart is unchanging, therefore his promises are unchanging as well. And so we can hold on to these. Let's take a look at it in Exodus chapter 6. Moses had just come back from the burning bush moment. If you remember that story, God called him out and said, hey, you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. He's like, I don't know how to do that. But God, through him, you know, revealed all these signs and wonders, uh, like sent these plagues of gnats. And I can't think of anything worse, really. Gnats and flies and frogs and locusts and turned the river into blood. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened throughout that whole process until the final plague, where he says, I'm going to send my death angel through the city, and he's gonna kill every firstborn male in your household, animal, like everything. But if you are uh, an Israelite, you're a Hebrew, if you would sacrifice a lamb, a spotless lamb, and you would take the blood of that lamb and put it over your, your door, put it over the, the door frame and along the posts of your house, that death angel is going to pass over. And so it's the moment that he rescued his children out of Israel. Now, we as Christians, like we celebrate Easter, that Jesus was the final fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment, our Passover lamb, like once and for all, fulfilled those promises of God. But that's what he said, I want you to do that and then remember that every year. So to this day, and what's interesting about this is we're gonna celebrate uh, the Last Supper in just a, a couple of weeks, but Jesus would have done this very thing as a Jew. Like he would have taken these four cups in communion. A lot of times we'll do communion and take one, not really thinking about how it was celebrated. They would take these four cups. Jesus did the same thing with these promises and they would talk about these four I will statements. This is going to be a little more teachy today, all right? So I would encourage you to take out some notes, jot some of these things down along the way, the things that God wants to do in your life. And it's found right here, Exodus chapter six, Starting in verse six, it says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and the first I will, he says, I will bring you out. That's the first one. Bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will, number two, free you from being slaves to them. And I will, number three, redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And the last one, 
I will take you as my own people. Don't miss that word, people. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now, the reason why we're looking at these statements again is because you're on a spiritual journey. You are a triune being. Did you know that? You are body, soul, and spirit. Like your body is the part that, that we, we all see. The body is, is this good looking dude right up here, all right? I'm just saying. You're supposed to laugh at that. The body, that's what we all see. That's our earthly, fleshly kind of desires. And then we're soul. That's, that's our, our heart. Those are our emotions, those things that, that, that we feel. And then we're spirit. And guess what? The spirit part of you is the part that lives on forever. That's the part of you that God himself placed inside of you. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that God has set eternity in the human heart. So that's why we all have questions. What is this life all about? What is this all mean. That's why we're gonna be asking these questions about our life, about this journey that God wants to take us on. So uh, it's a spiritual journey that we go on personally, but also corporately. Because as a church, this is the journey he wants to take us on. Here's what you need to know. This church was never designed to be the destination. Did you know that? It's not all about just coming here to this building. We wanna come here, we wanna worship God, we wanna experience God's presence in our life, but then the goal is to go. Like it's not to stay here, it's to go and fulfill the promises of God that he has on our life as well. So it has to do personally, but also corporately as well. And the first thing, let's take a look at it, he wants to do on this journey, in Exodus chapter six, verse six, he says, I will bring you out. That's the first one. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Here's what you need to know. He's not interested in, in making you more holy. That's not what's first on his mind. He's not interested in, in having you uh, go to church more, read your Bible more, pray more, sing more. He doesn't care if you're angry and bitter. He doesn't care if you love your neighbor or not at this point. He doesn't care if you smoke, drink, chew, date girls that do, right? He doesn't care about any of that right now. He simply wants to first bring you out. Out from what? Out from slavery. Out from, from bondage. Out from under something that is oppressing you. He simply says, I wanna get you out. The first cup, write it down, is called the cup of sanctification. And this is about salvation. The cup of salvation. That this is the first cup we, we drink from. Sanctify means to, to be set apart means to, to bring out, and salvation obviously is to be free from the penalty of sin that we have. And then he goes, after I do this, and this is important to know that this happens after, because a lot of times we have this messed up. We think that I gotta clean up before I get to God, which we, it's the other way around. Like, you gotta get to God so that you can clean up. You gotta get to God so that his spirit can move and work inside of you. And so as a church, sometimes we feel like, hey, I'm not in the club, you know, because I got to get my issues worked out. No, we all have issues in this room. Amen. Like if you don't have issues, that's your issue because you think you don't have issues. But we all got stuff that we need to get worked out. And so that's why the second part is he says, then I will free you. Well, hold up. Isn't that what he just did? Wait, didn't he, isn't that the same thing, Colby, is bringing people out of Egypt and freeing them? 
No, don't miss this. He got you out of Egypt, but now he wants to get the Egypt out of you. 400 plus years of being in captivity. 400 plus years of this oppressive kind of mindset. Maybe he, they are free externally, but they're not free internally. They still have this heart of slavery. And so God wants to bring you out from underneath that. In, in the Christian world, here's what we say. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but I still have these addictions. I still have, have these, these sin patterns in my life that I'm trying to, to work through. I still have this, this bitterness, this unforgiveness in my, my heart, these bad attitudes. In other words, God saved you from hell, but there's still a lot of hell left inside of you. And he wants to remove that to get that out. Things causing you and I to miss the mark and never to live up to our full potential. And the Jewish call this cup, write it down, the Jewish people, the cup of deliverance. And that's about our freedom. It's about finding freedom, deliverance. And I know that sounds like a kind of a spooky word, ooh, deliverance. Or it reminds you of banjo players in West Virginia, whatever it does, I don't know. Deliverance uh, isn't, isn't for like eyes rolling in the back of your head and freaking out. Deliverance is for people who are still struggling with their sin nature. And he says, I, I want to free you from that ultimately. So it's kind of like I'm a Christian, and, and some of you feel this way, but am I gonna have to deal with this forever? Like Paul wrote about this, right? Hey, the things I wanna do, I, I don't do. You know, it's this, this flesh that, that does things I don't even wanna do. And as a Christian, we're like, do I have to really live in this, this cycle forever, constantly battling my hurts and my habits and my hangups? And what God is saying, look, I brought you out of Egypt. Now I wanna bring the Egypt out of you. And here's what we're gonna talk about next week, all right? Just a little kind of um, setting the tone for next week. 87% of Christians stay stuck in this cycle. 87% of Christian studies say never get to the third cup. They're stuck in this perpetual sin pattern. You feel this too. It's kind of this, this wash, rinse, dry, soil, repeat. Wash, rinse, dry, soil, repeat. Like I, I, I repent of my sin. I come clean. You know, I, I work some stuff out for a little bit and then I fall right back into it. And here's what you should know. God wants to work that out in you. It's okay, he's promised to, to work those issues in our life, but rather than working on those issues inside of you, he'd rather be working through you. And leading to this, this third cup, if you wanna write it down, is called the cup of redemption, where he says in his word, I will redeem you. That's the third I will, redemption. He wants to redeem you, he wants to restore you. That's what we're talking about, restoration. And what that means is he wants to put you back to your original design. He wants to bring you back to his original intention for your life. In other words, now you know why you were created. Now you know why you were on this planet, the thing that God wants you to do. And again, 87% never understand that. 87% never get here. And so as the Jewish people would take this third cup, this cup of redemption, they would remember the potential that God's placed inside of them. They remember, you know, that the things that God wants to do in and through them. They remember Jeremiah 1 that says, before I formed you, I knew you. 
where David said in Psalms that, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and I know that full well that God knits you together in the womb. And tons of Christians still have no idea why they're on this planet because you're just stuck in the cycle. And Pastor Chris Hodges in his book, he says the two greatest days in your life are the, the day you were born and the day you discovered why you were born. And most of us, sadly, never learn that. And the last promise that he has for us, the last I will, is in verse seven. Watch this. He says, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Um, the first three have to do with you. The first three, he says, I will save you. I will free you. I will redeem you. And then this last one, God pluralizes it. Instead of it being about me, he says, now it's about the we. Now it's about what we can do together. Now it's about us being connected. Why? He says, I wanna take you out, and now I'm gonna put you in a group. Now I'm gonna put you on a team. Now I'm gonna make you a family on mission that's strategically on a mission to make the biggest difference in the world. Why? Because we're better together. And that's the, the final Cup, if you want to write it down, it's the cup of praise. This is about fulfillment. The cup of praise, fulfillment. And by the way, you have never lived until you've joined together, until you've linked arms with those around you and served a higher purpose and served a higher calling. In fact, sociologists know this. That's whole uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is all about the thing that fulfills us the most is when we're making a difference in this world, is when we're doing things together to make a, a difference in eternity of others. And then that's when God says, then you're gonna know that I'm God. Then you're gonna discover what following Jesus is all about. Then you're gonna understand, once I've saved you, once I've freed you, once I've, um, you've experienced restoration, then you're gonna know that you're my people together. That's what it's like to follow me. And one of my biggest pet peeves is so many are rejecting what they think following Jesus is all about. And they have the wrong idea. Because I like to say, let's, let's kiss it. You know what that is? Like, keep it simple, stupid, right? Kiss. Like, we make this more difficult than it is. God wants to save you. God wants to see you experience salvation, to be set free from the bondage and the penalty of sin. And it's not about coming to church. It's not about being any different in that moment. It's just about being set free from the penalty of sin. Then he wants to free you from your issues, your hurts, your habits, your hangups. Then he wants to restore you back to your original design, the purpose that he's created you for. And then he wants to release you as his people to make the biggest difference in the world, to be ultimately fulfilled. That's what it's all about. For steps in this journey, the four core promises. Now, whether you realize this or not, this church is built all around those four promises. That's why you won't see us doing a ton of other things. Like, like we're not gonna program the heck out of this place, right? We don't do a lot of other things because I personally believe all the other things are born out of the thing that God is doing inside of you and born out of the journey that he has each and every one of you on. So here's, here's how we say it. We keep it simple. The first thing we want you to do is to know God. That's what you're doing right now. 
That's what weekends all are about. That's why we create environments for you to bring people who are unchurched, to, to have them experience God, to encounter God. We want you to first and foremost know God. We do this through weekends, but also through Fresh Start, which is a new believers type of, of class that we hold every single Monday night. We want you to know God. And then we want you to find freedom. And guess what? That's really hard to do in this environment. Like something in this moment, the Holy Spirit in this moment can be a catalyst to help you discover freedom, but we say it this way, we'd rather you sit in circles than in rows, and you find that in groups, where you can speak into each other's lives, where you can share truth, where you can be accountable to one another. We want you to find freedom and then discover, number three, discover purpose. And I know it sounds like a, a drum, you know, constantly beating, that's why we talk about crash course like every single week, Crash Course is designed so that you would understand how God wired you. That today is week three of Crash Course. If you wanna come, just show up right after the service. We'll feed you, we'll watch your kids, we'll even feed your kids, and you can like do a spiritual gift analysis, take a test, we'll draw blood, we'll do, check your midi-chlorine levels, we'll do all that kind of stuff. I'm not even like a Star Wars person, but you know, I just had to throw that in there. But we want you to understand that God wired you a certain way to accomplish certain things. He's placed gifts inside of you. And then ultimately, fulfillment, the cup of praise to make a difference, to make the biggest difference that you can, to jump on a serve team, to, to lock arms, to know that you are better connected to one another, making an eternal difference for someone to, to do the Mobile Dream Center, to join our outreach partners like ARC, the Erie City Mission, just make an impact today. So what I wanna do uh, for the rest of our time, uh, about the next 90 minutes, is share with you. I'm just trying to make sure you're awake, all right? To share with you, new people are like, is he really gonna go 90 minutes? I might, I don't know, just saying. Share with you a, a few thoughts about this first cup. Because here's the truth, some of you are here today for this first cup. Some of you, you didn't know why you walked through these doors, but you are here today to experience the cup of sanctification, the cup of salvation in your life. Let's look at it again. In Exodus 6, 6, the first I will, he says, I will bring you out from under the yoke. I gotta get you out, I gotta free you, he says, from, from bondage. God wants to free you from the bondage, from the yoke of sin in your life. And what's interesting is the same way the enemy wanted to, to oppress the Israelites 3,500 years ago is the same way he wants to impress, oppress you today. The same way he wants to, to, to keep you in captivity today. He hasn't come up with any new strategies or any new tactics, he's using his same strategies to do it. And if you want to look at the original story, you'll find that when the Israelites first went to Egypt, they were free. They were like, they were free men. They were free women in the land of Egypt. And the reason why they were there is because a famine in the land forced them to go look for food, forced them to go look for water. And the Pharaoh at the time was kind to them. He was like, come on in. It's cool. You know, just here we go. We can share this stuff. But when he died, an evil Pharaoh took over. And the evil Pharaoh noticed something about these Israelites. And that is, they weren't practicing birth control methods. Because all of a sudden, these Israelites were like, 
were like multiplying like rabbits. And scholars would say that maybe like four million of them were living in the land of Egypt at the time. And, and so he felt threatened. He's like, hey, we gotta do something about this. Time out. He was, his authority was threatened. His rule was threatened, right? Maybe uh, he, he just felt his power was threatened. So he did three things to the Israelites. And it's the same three things the enemy is doing to us today. Look at it. The first one, Exodus chapter one, verse 14. Here's what Pharaoh says. I'm gonna force them to make bricks. So what, this freedom that they were experiencing in this land, no mas, like no more. They're going to make bricks. We're going to, write it down, enslave them. He wants to enslave you. In fact, the the Jewish people in this time, like some of the great wonders of the world, you know, that these pyramids were built upon the backs of these Jewish slaves. And by the way, slavery means anytime you're under a dominating influence in your life. It's usually not a person. It doesn't always have to be a someone, but a something. Here's what you need to understand. You can be a slave to drugs. You can be a slave to alcohol. You can be a slave to to, to your habits, to spending, to lust. It's anytime something other than you is calling the shots in your life. And here's how you know. You say things like, man, I feel trapped. I feel stuck. I don't feel in control of this thing at all. And many of you maybe come from an addictive background. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're a slave to that thing. You're not telling it what to do. It's telling you what to do. And here's what Jesus says about this in in John chapter eight. He says, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped and in a dead end life and is in fact a slave. I wonder how many of you feel this way today? Stuck. Maybe you even said it this way, man, I'm just in a dead end life. I'm in a dead end job and I'm in a dead end, you know, position in my my life, he goes on to say, a slave is transient. He can't come and go as he, he wants to. He's stuck. Here's, here's some good news for you. If that resonates with you today, if you feel stuck, if you feel trapped, if you feel that you're in a dead end life, you are in the perfect position to receive this first promise of God. Like it's why you're here. That God's brought you to this moment to receive this cup of salvation that he wants to get you out. He's not interested in you coming to church. He's not interested in you buying into a religion. It's never been about that. He just wants to get you out from under the bondage of sin in your life. Salvation isn't for people who want more church. It's for people who have the sense of being stuck this sense of slavery, this sense of bondage, and you're desperate for God to pull you out from where you are to where he wants you to be. Look at the second thing that this, this, the enemy does, this evil Pharaoh in the story, Exodus. Uh, just a few verses later, chapter one, verse 22, says that the Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, now I want you to kill every baby boy. Like because of the potential that's in you, because of your growing numbers, we're gonna kill this next generation. So what I want you to do is throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River. And by the way, this isn't just biblical history. You can find this in extra biblical literature 
as well because the, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites were growing like crazy. Why did he do that? Why did he wanna murder these, these babies? Not just because of numbers, and I don't want you to miss this. He wanted to kill the potential that was in them. And the enemy wants to do that to you as well. He wants to kill the potential that is inside of you. And many of you feel this. You feel like, like maybe late at night when you're just alone in your thoughts, you feel this pent-up potential like you should be doing something more. You can't quite seem to grasp it. He wants to kill that potential that's in you. And by the way, this is not a political thing. I don't have an agenda at all. But this, this killing babies happened way before the whole Roe v. Wade thing, like long before. This terminating of babies, aborting babies is, is spiritual. It's a, a spiritual battle because he knew that it wasn't just crushing them, it was crushing God's potential through them. And that God wanted to do something amazing. So maybe when you feel that way, like, like what do I do? What's this life all about? I'm just going through the motions. Maybe you're secretly dying on the inside. Or some of you feel like you're just, doing your best to survive when you know that this life uh, is all about thriving. Here's what you do. You hold on to these promises of God because what the enemy wants you to do is feel empty. Write it down. You feel empty inside. And if that's you today, that describes the way you feel. There's other promises of God you should hold on to. And that is that he wants to do immeasurably more then you can ask or imagine. You can hold on to the promise that he has a plan for your life, plan to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you a hope in a future. Hold on to these promises of God. And the last, the last thing, the last tactic of the enemy that we see in this story in Exodus chapter five, verse seven, Pharaoh says, all right, don't supply them with any more straw in making those bricks. Make the people go out and get it for themselves. Now you gotta go gather your straw. This might not seem like a big deal, right? Uh, especially since, man, he was just killing off uh, what could potentially be the next generation. But I don't want you to miss this because what he's saying is I wanna make life just a little bit more difficult. I wanna make life just a little bit more uh, challenging for you. Remember the straw we were bringing to you and so you could still make the bricks? No more. I'm gonna add a couple more hours, a few more hours to your day. I wanna make this a little bit more difficult. Here's why this is significant, because I'm convinced that this is how the enemy operates in our life. He's trying to wear you out. And so the third thing the enemy wants to do is make you feel exhausted, write that down. He wants you to feel enslaved, he wants you to feel empty, and he wants you to feel exhausted. Why? Because he knows that if he can get you tired and spent, then you're gonna make some really bad decisions, aren't you? You're gonna, you're gonna make some really bad decisions. And, and here's how you know you're exhausted. You, you say things like, man, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm just too, too tired. I just, I have so much going on. I have so much pressure. We say things like, uh, I'm just, I, I can't do all of this. I feel exhausted. And I want you to know something. Um, Exhaustion doesn't come from doing too much. It comes from doing too much of things that don't matter. And so when you get to that, that point of feeling exhausted where you can't even relax, you go on vacation, you can't, you can't even relax, right? You can't even rest because you have so much going on inside of you. And you think that, that uh, inactivity is what, what, what makes you be able to relax, but that's not what happens. Jesus tells us this, 
In Matthew 11, he says, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary, all of you who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You should know something about rest. Rest is not just physical and spiritual. That we bring it to him, and he says, take my yoke. Hey, not this yoke of bondage, not this yoke of sin that's in your life, not this thing that's keeping you down. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle. You find rest for your souls. For some of you, that looks really appealing today. So here's what I wanna say. If you find yourself in a place where you feel enslaved, you feel like something else is calling the shots in your life, you feel like you're, you're stuck, or if you feel empty, wondering what is this all about, knowing that there's more, feeling this potential inside of you that you can't quite reach, or you just feel exhausted, you're just tired, here's the good news. You are in the perfect position for this first promise of God. Because he says, I wanna save you. I wanna, I wanna bring you out. I just wanna get you out of Egypt. I just wanna get you out from where you are. And Jesus says it like this in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to make you feel empty and exhausted and enslaved. The, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you would take this journey I've come that you would first take this, this first cup and then ultimately lead to this final promise of fulfillment. I have come so that you might have life to the full. Hey, if that is a promise of God, why wouldn't you run after it? Why wouldn't you want to experience that in your own life? Some of you didn't realize it, but this is why you're here. Maybe you thought that salvation had to do with, with you coming to church in, in a certain way or having to work out your issues ahead of time, but all you need to understand today is that God just wants to bring you out. This is what Pastor Chris says in, in this book. Uh, I love this, so I wanted to share this with you. He said, the enemy of your life wants to control you. He wants you to feel stuck. He wants you to feel like there's no way out and regardless of what holds you down, you find yourself a slave to something unable to reach your potential. Unable to reach the potential of why you were created in the first place. And it might seem like God is a million miles away. For some of you, that I just took the words out of your mouth. You walked in here with all these feelings of what the enemy wants to do. You feel like God is a million miles away but he goes on to say, God is not far from you. In fact, his first promise is for you. He is pursuing you and he's calling you to drink from the cup of salvation. And it starts right there. This is the first thing that's available to you. And I wanna give you an opportunity to, to drink from that cup, so to speak, right now. If you just bow your head and close your eyes. In this moment, I want you to think about the ways the enemy will try to oppress you through enslaving you, through making you feel empty, maybe making you feel like this life is meaningless, maybe through exhaustion. Have you said it this week? I'm just so overwhelmed. 
just so tired? Are you overwhelmed because you're doing too much or are you overwhelmed because you're doing too much of what doesn't matter? God has a journey to take you on. And it doesn't begin by you working to get to him. It begins by receiving what Jesus has done for you. See, we started talking about Passover, started talking about the the rescue of, of God's chosen people from Israel. But here's what you need to know, that final Passover was fulfilled in Jesus. That the moment he died on the cross for you, shed his blood for you, and you believe that in your heart, and that God used him as that payment for our sin. And we trust in that payment for our sin, that we would be set free. We would experience that first cup, that salvation, that freedom that we can only have in Christ, not by anything that we can do, but by what God has already done through Jesus. And the way we receive that, the way we drink from that cup is by saying yes to Jesus, by saying, I receive that payment for my sin. I receive that pardon for my sin. No longer am I gonna feel enslaved, empty, or exhausted, but I want Jesus to come fill and repair all that's broken in me. If that's you today, nobody's looking around, every head bowed, eyes closed. You say, I wanna start there. I need to receive that cup of salvation. I need to receive salvation that only comes through Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? Just hold it high all around this room. This is your act of surrender, saying, God, take all of me. I surrender it all. I surrender to you. I don't wanna do this on my own. I know I can't do this on my own. I need you to bring me out. I need you to bring me from where I am to where you want me to be. And you're in essence reaching out to him right now, asking him to change your life. You can put your hands down. That's amazing hands all across this room. Put them down, pray something like this. The most important part is that you believe it in your heart. Say, Jesus today, I surrender it all. I receive the free gift of salvation. I receive mercy and grace. I receive new life because of the life that you sacrificed for me. And so today I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. And from this moment on, I'm going to live as a child of yours, set free in Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.